Welcome to the Spiritual Outliers podcast, where we explore the uncharted territories of spirituality and self-discovery. In a world where conformity seems to be the norm, we aim to shine a light on the unique and diverse experiences of those who have found their own path to healing and self-awareness. Join me as we delve into the mysteries of the universe, share stories of personal growth, and interview spiritual outliers who have forged their own way to a deeper understanding of themselves and the world around them. Whether you're a seasoned spiritual seeker or just beginning your journey, this podcast is for earthbound misfits who are curious about the limitless possibilities of the human spirit. Welcome back to the Spiritual Outliers podcast. Happy New Year to you. Hope that you are having an absolutely beautiful and amazing start to 2024. Today, as promised uh, weeks ago, let's talk about red flags in relationships. I'm also going to talk about John Gottman's work a bit later in this episode. He is a renowned relationship expert who has done a lot of research on what makes relationships work and equally what can erode the foundation of a relationship. Also, side note, my partner and I have been watching Indian matchmaking on Netflix, and we are both so obsessed with the show. It revolves around the custom of arranged marriages in Indian culture, featuring Auntie Seema, a Mumbai-based matchmaker, as she works with singles in India and the United States. The show focuses on her efforts to understand her clients' preferences and find suitable matches based on various criteria, including social and economic backgrounds, professional and personal interests, and astrological beliefs. So the series provides insight into contemporary Indian culture and the complex dynamics of arranged marriages, highlighting both traditional and modern views. It also explores themes like familial pressure, societal expectations, the pursuit of love and companionship, and the challenges of finding a life partner in today's world. It is really, really fascinating. Go watch it if you haven't already. And no, I am not sponsored by Netflix, although that would be really dope. Um, I've learned so much, though, by watching it. Like, I didn't know that an arranged marriage isn't a forced marriage. So basically, they go to meet each other and they see how they like each other before the actual wedding. So pretty cool. Good stuff. Um, So back to the subject of red flags in a relationship. So these red flags usually refer to warning signs or indicators that something may be wrong. Red flag is usually a disturbing behavior in someone else that may make us question whether the relationship is worth pursuing in the future. And some red flags may feel like absolute deal breakers. So before we get into this episode, I just want to explicitly state that I am not a mental health professional and I have zero formal certifications. I basically consider myself a mental health advocate and a teacher. I basically actively embrace and learn about relationships in ways that deprogram myself from cultural norms regarding love and romance. In other words, I am not really here to reinforce common beliefs surrounding love that keep us stuck in states of suffering. And um, if you're new here, I have experienced relationship OCD in the past. Um, I have it under control right now, but relationship OCD is an extreme form of relationship anxiety. Uh, There were consistent intrusive thoughts regarding the rightness of my relationship, 
And this journey has caused me to delve into deeper wounding and to let go of old belief systems that kept me in negative thinking cycles. And I'm still in that deprogramming phase. Also, there can be like hypervigilance over whether something is a red flag or not, by the way. And uh, I just thought this would be an important episode because uh, some things are not just, they're just not a red flag. Um, I was listening to someone else's podcast a few weeks ago, and they said that they had watched a TikTok or something on social media. And this person said that, uh, like the fact that her partner or the person she was dating didn't bring her mom flowers was a red flag. And so like, it's just the ridiculousness of the red flags is uh, a little bit crazy. I know people are like hyper vigilant over red flags. So that's another reason why I wanted to do this episode. And as I was thinking about this episode, it occurred to me that I was in a relationship in which there were Oh man, like a ridiculous amount of red flags. So I just want to preface this by saying, um, with a lot of compassion towards myself and yourself, that even if you see red flags, it can be really difficult to leave someone, especially when you deeply care for them, even if you know that leaving is the right thing to do. So I just want to say that it's, uh, I feel compassion. Um, I think that to some degree, we do all have toxic behaviors and shit that we need to work through. And a lot of times that does happen in partnership. Um, I don't always think that it is necessary to leave the relationship if you see a red flag. Um, But what I'm talking about here are the situations that usually require, usually require ending the relationship. Again, this is just my opinion. I do feel like most issues within relationships can be worked on if both parties agree to work on the issues and or go to therapy. So I think that there is always hope in in these situations. But if you're if you feel like your safety is always being threatened, and you feel like someone might really hurt you, then I think that is worth leaving the relationship. So instead of boring you with a list, at first, I'm going to illuminate you on the red flags that I chose to ignore in one particular relationship I was in. And this is not me shaming myself. This is me owning my shit and understanding that I now have a better grasp on what behaviors are acceptable versus unacceptable. And this is me passing on my, um, my faux pas to you. Like if I could go back and change things, then this is what I would go back and change. And these are the things that I would alert my younger self to. So my ex-boyfriend that I was with many, many years ago, we were together for five years, I believe altogether, uh, with a breakup somewhere in the middle of those years and then a getting back together. So, um, but for privacy reasons, I'll call him Tim. We were together for five years. Like I said, there was a breakup somewhere in the middle there. So the number one red flag that I should not have ignored was his alcoholism. But when you are also a heavy drinker on the brink of alcoholism yourself, as I was, it was really difficult to see frequent drinking as a red flag. And I did not. So during the relationship, I excused it because I thought, 
well, he just really likes to party. And it's also what we primarily did when we were spending time together. So it wasn't a big deal to me at first. Like it wasn't, it wasn't a glaring red flag. And toward the end of the five years that I was with him, as I primed myself to break up with him, which took me many months to work up the courage to end things, um, I knew that his drinking was a serious problem. So by the end of the relationship, I knew that it was, it was a real problem. And I felt that, uh, it was such a huge issue that, um, asking him to quit would only get us in the huge fight and end up breaking us up anyway. So, um, red flag number one, in my opinion is addiction and substance abuse, whether that's alcoholism or drugs or, or both. Next, I'll never forget this one night when we moved in together. I don't think we had been living together for that long, maybe a month at this point. And I went into this room that we had made his man cave to tell him that I wanted to spend some quality time with him. What I was met with after telling him how I felt still haunts me to this day. I can still viscerally remember this moment. He was so pissed off at me for even bringing it up that we got into a huge argument and that meant him screaming at me and I was crying a lot. Um, and all the, all this while he had been drinking and busy with video games. Like that was his thing. That was his forte. Like he liked to drink and, and do video games. Also, he was five years younger than me, by the way. So, um, just, uh, we just didn't see eye to eye on a lot of things. So I had confronted him and told him that I wanted to spend more time with again with him. And his logic was that we were moved in together and that I shouldn't need any more time with him. So the fighting ensued for quite a while that evening after I had confronted him and it ended in him threatening to have his family come pick him up at our apartment while he was drunk and that he didn't want to be in the house with me. In retrospect, I should have just let him leave the house. And then I should have broken up with him, but <laughs> I didn't, I begged him, I begged him to stay. I don't know why. And, um, in the end he did stay. He didn't leave the house at night or have his family come pick him up. So anyway, the next thing he said to me, um, somewhere during this whole event, this whole argument that happened, he said, I am who I am and I'm not going to change, not for you and not for anybody. So welcome to red flag number two. If someone refuses to hear you out and especially as it relates to your needs, um, you know, like without starting a world war three argument, I think it's cause for pause, meaning someone who loves you will at least hear you out. And there was no hearing me out in this situation and there was zero opportunity to even compromise. It basically, it was what it was and he wasn't going to budge an inch. If someone says this to you, when you express a desire for a need to be met, like for closeness, um, I would say run for the hills, <laughs> use your discernment, but run for the hills. Um, you know, like, yeah, there's a lot to be said for a man who stands his ground and knows who he is, but a refusal for closeness, like spending more time together or going on, you know, like a, a date night, like once a month, if that's a huge ask and the walls come up, you know, like pause for a second and truly reflect upon whether this is someone you want a future with. And honestly, I really should have. 
Um, again, this isn't about shaming myself, but it's like, if I could go back and have a good talk with my younger self, I surely would. So, um, I want to note here that with Tim, this was also a common problem that if I brought up something to be worked on, or I expressed a need that wasn't being met, I was almost always shut down. So this was a pattern with him, not just a one-time occurrence. Um, this is something that also eventually led to the breakup. Basically my problem was just that it was my problem and he wasn't willing to work on anything. We couldn't talk about anything serious together. We could party together, but we, we just couldn't be serious together. It felt like he always kept me at arm's length. So there was a huge lack of communication. If your partner is not open to discussing issues or regularly shuts down communication, it can be a sign of deeper problems. Red flag number three, anger management issues. <laughs> Man, I'm airing out all the dirty laundry here on this relationship. So this one particular night when we were living together, there was a NFL football game on that we were watching together. And granted, it was a game in which the Bengals were playing against their biggest rivals, the Steelers. So it was going to be a heated, intense game. And as predicted, it was. We just, we knew it was going to be, and it was. So not only was the game heated, but Tim, my ex, my then boyfriend at the time, was also just as angry and aggressive about what was happening in the game. He was being extremely loud and obnoxious during the game, like yelling at the top of his lungs at the screen. And at that time we were living in a duplex. So we were living on the top floor and there was a couple living below us on the bottom floor. And I knew that they were home. And I also knew that they could hear every scream and stomp and move that was occurring in our living room because it was ridiculously loud. So I kindly asked him that, you know, maybe he could be more quiet and he ended up snapping at me. He was so furious with me. So furious, in fact, that he punched a hole in our cheap Ikea coffee table. Like later we joked about it, that it made a great cup holder because, um, for whatever reason, the way that he, he punched the coffee table, it was just perfect for a cup. But that particular night, it wasn't funny at all. It scared the shit out of me. It's worth noting here that it wasn't the only hole punched in the apartment. Uh, months prior, we got into a huge argument over the potential of getting engaged to which he went to his man cave furious with me over the potential of getting engaged. And um, yeah, he punched a hole in the wall. So in an ideal world, it would have been like the office episode in which Andy punches a hole in the wall after Jim played a prank on Andy by putting his cell phone in the ceiling and calling it. And uh, of course, Andy can't find it because it's in the ceiling. But a hilarious episode if you haven't seen it. Andy ends up going to anger management after this incident um, of punching in the punching the wall and seems to get his temper under control. Tim, however, my ex was not going to go to anger management and I would continue putting up with his bouts of rage and our arguments and, um, his anger. So why I don't, I don't really know why <laughs> I put up with all of this. Maybe I'll just claim insanity. Um, I really thought that I loved him and, and we had something, but in retrospect, I, I should have let him go 
um, pretty early on in the relationship. And it's okay. Like I, I learned so much about myself and about relationships from being with him. He never did put his hands on me, thankfully, like just so it said. Um, but yeah, welcome to red flag number three, anger issues. Aggressive or abusive behavior should be taken very seriously. Any form of physical, emotional, or verbal abuse is a serious red flag and should definitely not be tolerated. Abuse is unacceptable, period, exclamation point. If you don't feel safe with your partner, um, I do feel like that is a huge red flag. So other red flags, which I will not be using my relationship as an example of, would be uh, controlling behavior. This includes trying to dictate who you can see, what you can do, how you spend your money, or even what you wear. If you don't feel free to be who you are, and that threatens your partner, uh, really reflect on this, on whether this is someone that you truly wish to be with. And next up, cheating. I don't think that there is a lot of wiggle room here. I do feel that some couples can work through this, um, but it, you know, cheating is very destructive to the sense of trust and safety in a relationship, um, which trust is the core and heart of a relationship. I do think that if two people want to actively work on getting help and understanding the whys of their behavior, then maybe there is hope in saving it. But I think great strides toward rectifying one's behavior must be taken or else a relationship is eroding from the inside out. And the last one that I want to mention here, because again, it's one that I overlooked in a dating situation, and this was not Tim, the ex I had mentioned um, prior to this, but someone else, uh, is when someone tells you that they aren't over a previous partner. And sometimes they'll tell you that they're over, they're not over a previous partner without telling you that they're not over a previous partner, if that makes sense. So if someone frequently and um, consistently discusses their previous partner before you, it's usually a sign that they haven't moved on yet. And it's worth acknowledging that they have healing work to do before they're ready to be in a new relationship. In this particular situationship, I had met him on uh, the dating app called OkCupid, um, but he was literally there, I came to find out, so that he could find someone to help him get over his ex-partner. And he also wanted someone that he could brag about seeing to his ex-partner in order to make her jealous. And I, I don't need to explain this in depth because I know I'm talking to a bunch of very intelligent people here, but I, I don't think that any of this was healthy for me or for him. If someone is still actively grieving their previous partner, I think it's really important to give them space to figure out their next moves and to actually heal themselves. Um, but it's it's never your responsibility to stay by their side and help them get over someone else. That's what I wish I could go back and gently tell my younger self, that I should have just let him be. At first, though, in my defense, I didn't know all of this. Um, it, but as the situation evolved and time went by, it became very clear to me that he was not over her and that he still had feelings for her. So in the end, it didn't work out between us. We ended up just uh, drifting apart and uh, it just, yeah, it didn't work and it was for the best. So let's review in, you know, in my opinion here, um, and you can use your discernment, some of the red flags that I discussed previously. So number one would be substance abuse and addiction issues. And number two, shutting down communication, lack of communication, uh, refusal to communicate. So it, all of those are 
problematic in a relationship because you need to be able to um, discuss some serious things. So number three, I am who I am and I won't change. I feel like that statement within itself, it says a lot. And especially if it's a pattern, if it's a one-time deal and it's about something silly, like what they're wearing or what they're eating, then maybe that's a different story. But if someone says I am who I am and I'm not going to change for you, I'm not going to change for anybody. And it's a, a common pattern, then, then definitely take note of that. So number four, anger issues, aggressive behavior. This includes abuse of any form, whether that's emotional, spiritual, mental, physical, um, or any combination thereof. Number five, controlling behavior. Um, this is if you don't feel safe in the relationship to be yourself and do what you love. And I feel like as long as you're not hurting yourself or your partner, um, then it's okay to do what you're doing. So number six, cheating. Number seven, not being over an ex-partner and making it glaringly obvious that they haven't moved on. Number eight, uh, disrespect. Uh, and I want to say like a pattern of disrespect. Um, you know, sometimes we have our moods and we can be shitty towards each other. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like, um, like a pattern of disrespect. So this can manifest in many ways, but this can be like belittling comments, ignoring boundaries or not valuing um, your opinions. And this is a pattern, I believe. So this is a more than a one-time incidence. And um, the last one, number nine, lack of trust. So constant suspicion or jealousy without reason can be a sign of insecurity and can lead to toxic dynamics. This is something that can be worked on, however. And um, all of the above can as well. There is hope for a relationship if there is willingness on both sides to work through toxic behaviors and take responsibility for these issues, um, as well as going to therapy if that's on the table. So next up, I want to uh, wrap up this episode by discussing John Gottman's work. So specifically what he ref refers to as the four horsemen of the apocalypse, which is a metaphor derived from the biblical four horsemen which he uses to describe communication styles that, according to his research, can predict a likely ending of the relationship. So I just find his research really fascinating, and I feel like this um, may be relevant to the discussion today. So number one, criticism. This involves attacking your partner's personality or character, usually with the intent of making someone right and someone wrong. It goes beyond mere complaints about a specific action or behavior. It's more about implying that there's something fundamentally wrong with a partner. Number two is contempt. Regarded as the most serious, contempt involves treating the partner with disrespect, disgust, or ridicule. It can manifest through sarcasm, cynicism, name-calling, eye-rolling, sneering, mockery, or hostile humor. Contempt is destructive because it conveys disgust and superiority, deeply hurting the partner and damaging the mutual respect that is a cornerstone of a healthy relationship. Number three, defensiveness. This is a way of reacting that aims to protect oneself from perceived attack, but it often comes across as a way of blaming the partner. Defensive responses can include making excuses meeting one complaint with another, or denying responsibility. This behavior only escalates the conflict instead of solving it. And number four, stonewalling. 
This occurs when one partner withdraws from the interaction, shutting down dialogue and creating emotional distance. It often follows the other three horsemen during an argument. Stonewalling can look like someone looking away, not responding, or engaging in distracting behaviors like scrolling through the phone. It's a way of tuning out, disengaging, or showing that they are overwhelmed and checking out of the conversation. Gottman's research suggests that the presence and frequency of these four behaviors in a relationship can predict its eventual failure if not addressed. He emphasizes the importance of replacing these harmful communication styles with healthier, more constructive ones to foster a successful and long-lasting partnership. So I'm going to leave the episode here on this note. I hope that this episode has been valuable, illuminating, helpful, any of the above. Please subscribe to the podcast and rate it if you haven't already um, and share it with your loved ones and share it on social media if you feel called to do so. I would really, really greatly appreciate it. And in any case, I really, really value you being here with me. Thank you so much for being on this journey with me, especially here in a new year, 2024. Uh, sending you so much love and happy new year again, and I'll see you next Friday.